0: Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. Rick Thomas here. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to spend a few moments talking about self-esteem. It is something that you are familiar with. It's been part of our culture for many generations now. But it is an issue, and we are seeing the outworking of it in ways that many of us, maybe all of us, could ever imagine. You see, this idea of self-esteem, it is foundational to the to the thinking of our culture it is the zeitgeist it is the worldview, it is a major plank and and how they do life and so thinking about it from a christocentric worldview or a bibliocentric worldview i believe is absolutely essential and so i want to share a few thoughts with you now and i'm going to begin by talking about my friend mabel now of course that's not mabel's name But this is the story, and it is true. Mabel walked into the woods one day, and she doused herself with gasoline and set herself on fire. That is a true story, and she died. The newspapers said that she suffered from low self-esteem. They were wrong. Mabel was preoccupied with herself. Mabel could not stop thinking about herself, her problems, those who mocked her, those who put her down, those who alienated themselves from her and a myriad of other everyday disappointments from family and friends. Mabel's thoughts would not release her from a self-centered preoccupation that led her into the woods. It was the only path she knew that would break the stronghold of soul noise that was consuming her. Mabel had an extremely high view of herself. Now, that sounds harsh on the front end, and I realize that, and, and I don't mean it that way at all. But it is absolutely essential that we understand what was going on in Mabel's mind and how the culture basically just gaslit her through manipulation by their taunting and mocking and putting down, by creating this ideal in Mabel's mind, someone that she wished to be, someone that she knew herself not to be. You could say that that Mabel had this lofty opinion of herself where she hoped that she could ascend to to that perch, to that place. And if she could become that person, she would be whole. She esteemed herself so much that she could only think of nothing else but how she could become what she believed the culture would find acceptable. Now, there is a warning here for all of us, especially parents. As we rear our children, we have to be wise to this because this is true. Uh, Every day, and you can find this on the internet, every day there is a story of a kid who committed suicide, who was cutting themselves, who did something that was dumb because the culture presented a version of this child that this child wished they could be. We give our children phones, for example. We are giving them portals to where they will access the zeitgeist. They will access... Uh, access the culture, and the culture will tell them that this is success, this is beauty, this is a preferred life as it sows dissatisfaction in their hearts, this desire to want one more thing, or the other thing, or or what everyone else has. And so they begin to esteem themselves more and more, thinking about themselves as they look to that lofty perch and try to figure out a way to climb to That height, thinking that that is going to be the spot, that's going to be the niche, that's going to be the place where they will feel better about themselves. And Mabel was just like that. She had an extremely high view of herself, but she could not get there. In her twisted and tormented mind, she could not become the idealistic person. Rather than resting in the imago Dei, meaning the image of God, God created us in his image. And the only way to find acceptance and love and wholeness and worth and respect and significance is being in Christ. Humans made in the image of God. That image was distorted. Christ came to regenerate, or so we could be born a second time, so that we can find complete completeness in Christ, satisfaction and rest, love, worth, significance, and respect. And so there's no craving for the Christian for these things. But Mabel wanted acceptance and respect and love from the culture. Regrettably, Mabel did not know God, and so the only person that she could compare herself to was the ideal that was defined by her culture, leaving her with no escape from a miserable life. She couldn't rise to the cultural expectations. And all that mocking, all that alienation, did not help. Mabel accepted her fate, and so she destroyed the person that she despised. Now, Mabel's story is true, and I did know her. I was a teenager at the time, and so was she. I liked Mabel because she was like me. She was quiet. She was reserved. She was not part of the popular set. And though she was different from those who were outgoing, Mabel was also the same. You see, Mabel is a snapshot of everyone, all of us, you and me. Since the fall of Adam, self-consumption has been a dominant theme of our thought lives. Consumed with ourselves, thinking about ourselves, is the trifecta, individualism, overestimation of ourselves, self-preoccupation. That is the Adamic trifecta that will send the mind to some very dark places. When thinking about ourselves, personal loyalty is natural and expected. I love me more than I love you and you love yourself more than you love me. But there is a incredible downside to personal loyalty and that is sin is always crouching at the door of our hearts ready to push us further than we want to go. Mabel's admiration for herself or her admiration for that person that she wanted to become. It didn't have any holy parameters. There were no rails for her thoughts to ride on. And so sin did take her further than she intended to go and required more than she wanted to pay. She did not know any other way out of her mind. The end of the road for the person drowning with accelerated self-thoughts is suicide. How could it be otherwise? The more she reflected on herself, the more dissatisfied she became with what she saw. Her hopelessness grew with each despairing look. And finally, the only solution was to remove the problem, and so she set herself on fire. To esteem yourself outside the parameters of the Imago day is to have an elevated view of yourself the way the culture does. Words like respect, admiration, value, Appreciation, it fits within the domain of these esteemers. You see, words like respect and admiration and value and appreciation, well, of course, if you're made in the Imago Dei, the Imago Dei becomes a presupposition. It's the lens through which we look through, and because we're looking through an Imago Dei presupposition, then words like respect and admiration and value and appreciation do not create a craving or a longing. But if you have a cultural presupposition, then those things will, or could, in Mabel's case, drive you into the woods. If our estimation of ourselves cannot rise to that lofty place, then the esteemer will always wrestle with self-condemning strongholds. Mabel had a stronghold of the mind. She could not reach that idealistic perch The biblical appeal is to assume your value from an Imago day presupposition. And again, that changes your thoughts directionally. There is no need to spend our days thinking about ourselves if we're resting, if we're secure in the reality that God created us in His image. And then, because that image became distorted, Christ came for the recalibration, the reset. And so as Christians, our view of ourselves, it doesn't need a realignment. There's no need to try to be something that the culture puts out there as bait. Every Christian knows, every Christian rests in their worth in God. We know that God appreciates us through Christ, through His alien righteousness. We are significant in Christ because of what he did on the cross. We have value through Christ because of what he did. And so to spend your time focusing on yourself, I mean, it's kind of redundant. It's inward. It's misguided. If you are a believer who struggles with worth, the answer is not thinking more about yourself, but thinking more about Christ in you and the Father who created you in his image. We will never find hope in ourselves. If Adam had thought more about God than himself, he would not have attempted to elevate himself into an ideological space that could never satisfy, as he soon learned. You see, Satan was so determined to turn Adam into himself by suggesting that God was a liar. There is a better world than what God offered. It was a sales pitch that deceived Mabel too. You can read the entire sordid story how Adam went from God-centered to self-centered in Genesis 3, verses 6 through 12. Adam exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and he began to worship himself more than his Creator. And once we make the great exchange, worshiping ourselves more than our Creator, well, he made his first move away from God. And then, to make matters worse, he doubled down by insulating himself with fig leaves. Rather than finding forgiveness and cleansing through God, he just wrapped up his shame in fig leaves. He was heading in the wrong direction, making wrong decisions, and it was just one leading to another. Adam was feeling the effects of his movements. And rather than turning back to God, he covered his shame while running from the garden, lying about what, he was, what was going on, throwing Eve under the bus. Adamic people caught in the trap of esteeming themselves more and more, more than God. They wrestle with several characteristics, and maybe you could take this little test here to see if you really think too much about yourself, and, and you haven't come to that place to where you're finding rest in what it means to be in Christ, here are a few characteristics of, of these esteemers, the self-esteemers. They tend to struggle with shame. They tend to struggle with fear. Now, when I say that, I'm not talking about episodic struggles with shame or episodic, episodic struggles with fear, because I struggle with fear from time to time, and most of you do, I, I imagine. But I'm talking about being characterized, like ongoing, day in, day out, like this is uh, who you are. This is a struggle that you have. If we have ongoing struggles with shame, then we are not understanding what it means to be made in the image of God and assuming that you are a Christian being regenerated by God. Characteristics of self-esteemers, they struggle with shame. They can struggle with fear. They will not find rest in the truths of the Imago Dei. They'll not want God poking around in their lives. There will be this fear, this paranoia. Uh, They're not comfortable with their relationship with God. Adam was not comfortable with his relationship with God, so he began to move away, finding other ways to to, uh, satisfy this desire for comfort. They will practice deceit to hide the truth about themselves. Uh, My friend Mabel, for example was not being honest with others about what was going on. They, she struggled with so much shame and so much fear. You can see the, the stacking of problems here. In fact, we could use her as an illustration. She struggled with shame, which brought in fear. She had no rest or understanding of what it meant to be made in the Imago Dei. Uh, she really didn't want God or anyone poking around in her life because of the vulnerability and because of the shame that she struggled with. And then she practiced practiced deceit to hide the truth about herself. That's why it was such a shock when she went and set herself on fire in the woods. Of course, these people tend to blame their problems on others. And these are some of the characteristics of people who are overly immersed in this kind of self-centered thinking. The culture will tell a person like Mabel they need to esteem themselves more. The problem with turning yourself onto yourself to think better about yourself its never been the answer. Self-centeredness binds the soul until the weight of our thoughts buries us in a hole of hopelessness. The cure for self-esteem is to think of ourselves less while considering God and others more. You see the directional challenge and the directional change to the break, the break the bonds of self-esteem. Thinking less about yourself and thinking more about God and others. If we continue to give our minds to thoughts about ourselves, we'll end up like Adam with complicated views and distorted relationships. The message of the gospel is always counter to man's wisdom. You hear that language in 1 Corinthians 1.25, "...for the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men." That's why our culture cannot get their minds around this idea. Of course, the natural man cannot consider or discern the things of God. What I am communicating are spiritual things that are spiritually discerned, that are given to enlighten and quicken minds. What looks like wisdom and strength from the culture's perspective is not. And what seems like foolishness and weakness from God's perspective is not. Thinking less of yourselves may seem like foolishness, it may seem like weakness. Thinking more about God may seem like foolishness and weakness. Adam should have let go of what was best for him, according to Satan. What was best to him, according to Satan, was a lie. And he should have grabbed hold to what was best, and it was from God. Jesus said that we could sum up all the Old Testament 600-plus laws in four words, love God, love others. As I told our children when they were much younger, that there's only four words in life that you really want to master. You want to get these four words down, and guess what? One of the words is repeated twice, love God, love others. Loving God and loving others. It is the best advice that we will ever receive If we want to be whole, the fullest and happiest people that you will ever meet are those who find no greater joy than to give their lives to others. Talking about self-esteem or esteem, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul said, let us esteem others more than ourselves, and you find embedded in that text, Matthew 22, 36-40, which is the paragraph that gives us the two great commandments of loving God and others more than ourselves. The most miserable and the most angry people that you'll ever meet, they can't stop thinking about themselves as they work to fill this insatiable hole in their souls. One of the dangers is the danger of Susie, and actually this is probably at the heart of, of why a person will create that perch that they will esteem themselves uh, to. It's this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12, as we compare ourselves to other people. Let me share the text. Paul said not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. And that is the problem. That is a huge problem in social media. Again, we give our children these weapons that create portals to where they can access these social media platforms, and it just creates discontentment. It grows dissatisfaction. And then these kids begin to compare themselves among themselves, and Paul says that they are without understanding. But you'll also find the adults do that as well. As we flip through our magazines, for those who still have magazines, as we scroll endlessly through these social platforms or the Internet, as we try to think if we have this or if we had that if we could strive for this if we could acquire that then we will have our best life now that is a recipe for dissatisfaction discontentment to where we will begin to feel guilt and shame even begin to lie about the life that we have because we want to present ourselves better than we are mabel had an ideal of herself that she esteemed more than anything else. That version was a vision of what she wanted to be. Mabel loved this idyllic person as she compared that person to who she was. Those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Mabel always came up short as defined and determined by the culture's view of wholeness. And according to to Paul, she was without understanding. According to the culture, she had low self-esteem. In the end, Mabel hated the person that she was. She loved her ideological view of herself—that space on that lofty perch that she hoped to climb to be. Her esteem of herself was on steroids. She couldn't stop thinking about herself. And it could only end with self-destruction. Suicide was a last-ditch effort to end the misery. And to find restorative hope through those drastic means, meaning restorative hope in the sense that once this is done, I will be better on the other end of that, like in the afterlife. You see how delusional this is. There is a path that you get on when you are dissatisfied with yourself. And that path, the end result of that, if you go all the way to the end, it can only be suicide because nothing will make me happy nothing will make me content, nothing will make me whole. Therefore, there is only one last resort as I have to take my life away." She was hopelessly stuck on herself. Now, yet I know it sounds harsh, but not nearly as harsh as the path that she chose. And that's why this is a warning to all of us. Wholeness comes through Christ alone. Colossians 1.28, Paul said it this way, that we warn every man, that we teach every man that we find completeness in Christ. And there is a warning here, and there is teaching here. God makes us complete. The first step that releases us from self-preoccupation, individualism, self-consumption, self-consum- uh, Complete people pursue God and others more than themselves. Loving God and others will not deplete you. It will fill us with more of God's character, more of His attributes, releasing us for more of His empowering favor. In James 4, 6, James says that God gives empowering favor to the humble. The person who lowers himself and it's not self-seeking, not esteeming himself, trying to climb to that lofty place. That is pride. And by the way, James says that God is a warring army against those people who are full of that kind of pride who do not understand the Imago Dei, do not understand what it means to be regenerated in Christ, that only in Christ can we be complete whole, that we can find the, the acceptance, the love that we long for. And if we try through any other mechanism, if we give ourselves over to the manipulations and the gaslighting of the world when they tell us that you just have to have one more thing, that you'll be happy if you have this. And when we give ourselves over to that, uh, then we are distancing ourselves from God as Adam did, and it will give us distorted, it will give us... Uh, distorted views, and dysfunctional relationships. Let me wrap up by asking just a couple of questions. I trust it will help you uh, to think about what I've been uh, sharing here. Question number one, what is the subtle and entrapping lie of high self-esteem? Now, what I would like for you to do, it'd be fantastic if you could take what I've shared with you here. The article on our website is titled, The Cure for Low Self-Esteem. Uh, you can get it, you can print it off. There's a print button at the bottom of that article. You're welcome to print it off. Share it with a friend and then have this discussion, this CTA here, the, these, this call to action that I have here at the end. This would be a great small group discussion or just between you and another friend. And so question number one, what is the subtle and entrapping lie of high self-esteem? Number two, Satan did not tell Adam or Mabel... That if they tried to become like a god that it would end well for them satan's a liar you see proverbs 14 12 says that there there is a, a way to a man but the end of that way is is death and satan did not let adam or mabel know that the path that you're going down is the path to destruction have you ever listened to those lies i'm saying the lies of satan because we know that's not true in the most technical theological sense, because Satan is not omnipresent like God. But there is a spiritual world, and then also we have our own conscience that can, can tell us lies, and so we can believe lies, and we can exchange the truth of God for a lie. We can listen to those lies as though they are on an endless loop tape that plays over and over again, that you'll be happy if you had this. God's not going to give you that. If you want contentment, you need to do the other thing. You can be that person that you esteem yourself to be. Now, if you have listened to those lies, again, perhaps sharing with a friend what the pathway is like when we walk away from God, maybe that would be helpful for them and maybe helpful for you. And maybe through a discussion, if you're still on that path, Maybe that would be the conversation for transformation. If you know someone that's on that path and you have that relational bridge built to them to where you can share these things with them, then please, by all means, share the video, the podcast, the article. Number three, have you been shaped to think poorly of yourself? Now, that's so easy to do, and I imagine maybe even the majority of people that are listening to this or in that boat I know I was for many years because that was an inculcating message that was given to me over and over again as the saying is you keep you keep telling a lie over and over again eventually people will believe it and if you have someone in your life that just continually gives you a devaluing demeaning mocking devaluing an image maker uh, message then you can begin to believe that lie, and then it will begin to shape how you think poorly, even creating this desire in your own heart to become some version of yourself that you are not presently, while all the while distancing yourself from what it means to be made in the image of God and born again through the regenerative work, the death of Christ on the cross. How have familial and cultural perspectives, words, actions shaped you adversely? I know many of you struggle this way, and I would appeal to you to find a friend, find someone that you can talk to, especially if you have that stronghold, that thought fortress that has been reared up in your mind that is against the knowledge of God, because the knowledge of God is a completely different message. Number four, what is the path to freedom, a steady stream of thinking? less about yourself and more about god and others or i'm sorry why is the path to freedom i was reading the question it was like this is not making sense as i'm reading it here in my teleprompter why is the path to freedom a steady stream of thinking less about yourself and more about god you really have to be you really have to answer that question if you want the path the freedom, then it is a steady stream of thinking less about yourself and more about God. And the follow-up question here to number four, will will you share how the two great commandments release you from self-consumption? you share with a friend how the two great commandments release you from self-consumption? Now, this uh, what I just shared with you is at lifeovercoffee.com, and I want you to be exposed to it. I want you to have it. And so you're looking for the cure for low self-esteem, and you can get everything that I just shared with you. There's also hyperlinks inside of this article. Now, many biblical counselors, disciple-makers, small group leaders, church leaders, ministry leaders, They use our content that way. Uh, They will share the link with a friend and say, and and then it becomes a a long-term study for them. Not just what I just shared with you, but all the links that are embedded inside of the article. And so I would appeal to you to take advantage of it. Now, uh, also, I have a a book about self-esteem, and you'll find it in our store. And so uh, this is several chapters that cover this topic. And what I just shared with you is actually the introduction to the book on self-esteem. And I want you to have that as well. We have a lot of books in our store and, uh, that we give away. And, of course, we have this on self-esteem. So I want you to take advantage of it if you want to do a deeper dive into this subject because this is one of the most critical things in our culture today. And it is foundational to how they think. And of course, it has crept into our worldviews and has affected how we think and how we live our lives. And so you can look for the book in our store, and then also uh, just get this article here, The Cure for Low Self-Esteem. Now finally, for those of you who have have hung on to the end, I I do want to appeal to you that we need investors in our ministry. We have a 10-member team. Uh, It's a costly ministry. We're producing a lot of content. It takes a lot of work and a lot of time to do what we do, and we give our resources away. And so the thing that we depend on, I mean, our business model is donor-based, and so if you are a local church and you're able to support our ministry on a monthly basis, would you pray about that, and would you consider it? We want to supplement what the church is doing. We work with a lot of churches and a lot of pastors. We also have a lot going on internally at our ministry, on our forums, at our our school, our mastermind a program, the content that we produce, like the books in our store that we give away, and so much more. It's phenomenal at what God is doing uh, that we are actually wrapping the globe every day with our content. And we've been doing this, or we started the ministry in 2008, and a few years after that, we have been in every country in the world. We go into every country in the world now. And so it's a phenomenal thing, not just locally here, stateside, but also around the world. And we give our resources Away with with delight and joy because we want to reach as many people as possible. And so if you are a local church and you're able to support us, if you are an individual and you're able to support us, would you do that? We need investors in this ministry so that we can continue to do what we are doing. And if you would make that a matter of, of prayer, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.